one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back to The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we are delving into the EDH subreddit mines, looking for those salty posts, hauling them up in our mine cart and just chatting, chatting about it, you know, seeing how we feel about these posts, about these situations, about these poor individuals feeling that that salt that we all know and love. I am your host, Sam, and I'm here yet again. Once again, we are all back, baby. I am here with my two co-hosts. Mike and Tony. Say hey guys. Yo. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's fucking go. Uh hip hip hooray. Fucking reunited and it feels so good. I'm finally back. It's so nice. Hey, uh, where you where you fucking been, man? Yeah, how was your canoe? Were you were you face down in a river like what we <laughs> Like what we what... prophesied? <laughs> uh, no. The people no. want to know. <laughs> yeah. The people the people will be sorely disappointed that I didn't end up just completely swamping canoes nonstop <laughs> and going down the river. Uh, no, it was all we did. We did fill a couple canoes, but uh, that With was just... turds. Yeah, exactly. No toilets in the woods, y'all. Oh, <laughs> pack man. it in, pack it out. All right, I gotta cut all that. I gotta cut all that. Out. <laughs> I probably should cut all. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Which means uh, <laughs> it's staying in. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was you know four of us, two canoes cruising down a river. It was like super high water. All the white water was kind of crazy. Oh like, yeah, bringing all your stuff that you have for like two and a half weeks and then you get to like huge waves and stuff in the river Shit. and you're like hmm maybe i hope i don't lose my belongings <laughs> so yeah. I, I guess in my head you were just like casually going yeah, through like yeah well, lakes we... and shit, not like fucking rapids in a canoe <laughs> yeah. we didn't we didn't shoot any of the really crazy stuff but we did go down a couple you know like class ones class twos just to man just to figure it out guy with the terminology anything beyond like a placid glassy lake is <laughs> rapids for me tony's been to my family cabin i think of like the lake up there which is just like a lake. There's nothing going on with it. And when I thought you were canoeing, I, I was just picturing you going from one side of the lake to the other. I was like, that's pretty cool. It sounds very chill. Yeah. yeah. No, we went we went like 340 kilometers. Damn. Oh shit, dude. So we were like, we were moving. That's like a million miles. Yeah. Exactly. That's the conversion. I think the conversion supports <laughs> that. Yeah. I think you're right. You've done this before though, right? Was it like the same crew you've done it with or? Yeah, so I used to do it like in high school. There was a camp that I used to go to that did like a similar thing. Shout out to Camp Wichiwagan. It was really cool. And then (laughs) so like the three guys that I went with, we all knew each other from that, which was awesome. They all went on to like lead trips for the camp for like some amount of time. And I like never did. So I basically showed up this time and was like, hey, guys. (laughs) Can't wait to paddle in the river, guys. <laughs> take take me on a free, awesome trip down the river. <laughs> it was great. I was eating like 
blueberries i was eating like 50 blueberries off of bushes like per day just popping them did your energy increase absolutely yeah shout out to valheim real quick for the oh i was like what the fuck was that reference did your energy increase like it was straight up if any listeners have played valheim it felt like i was there there were blueberries and then there were red berries (laughs) and there was thistle there was did you combine them to make a health potion you were completely naked you were jacked I did definitely get stronger by the end. So that was sweet. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Man, I just yoked on so much XP. <laughs> I can lift things now. Well, it's great because like the the packs, the packs with all the food, they start like 120 pounds or like a hundred pounds. So they're just like these huge packs you're trying to lift. So you like can barely do it. You're like using two people in the beginning. And then like three days into the trip you're like yeah i'm getting so much stronger like i can lift this on my <laughs> own you really now. didn't get stronger it's not the 20 pounds that you ate. definitely not that we just ate three days of food it's out like, of wow that. i can lift this empty cooler over my head <laughs> did anything uh, no. like crazy or sketchy happen like not not too much crazy stuff one of my boots the sole came 80 percent. like i could feel a oh, stick man. under my foot at one point in my boot so we had to like take a day to like stitch it up and stuff <laughs> find the local cobbler get it repaired. yeah yeah no well that was pretty crazy actually we didn't so day four we saw some like fishermen that had been float planed in to like fish on these lakes yeah. uh and then after that we were on the river so we didn't see anyone besides our group for the the next 12 days oh, that's that we were on there so we had 12 days of like oh it's kind of crazy to just see three people for <laughs> Mike just karate chopped his microphone. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, that's how of, shocking it was. Just fucking <laughs> yeeted his mic, <laughs> and it fell because it's on a humidifier. So good. Oh yeah. man! Well, we are glad to have you back, dude. That is that is awesome. I'm happy to be here. It was way too long with no magic. Yeah. So it's great to, be to back. the listeners. You were only gone for two weeks, but to us, it was like a month and we, we ate <laughs> through some of our episode backlog <laughs> to make ends meet. <laughs> but Hey, that just means things will be more current from here on out. Um, I do want to highlight something that you said to us recently, Mike, after you came back, you didn't realize that when we say draw an additional card, <laughs> during your draw step that that's a reference to the howling to the howling mind card which is what we are named after you didn't realize that that our sign off was like thematic in that way yeah i thought our motto was like kind of want to roast you it's just like i thought our motto was like hey everyone don't forget to like cheat a little bit (laughs) (laughs) you know it'll make your your pod salty if you just draw two cards every turn instead of one <laughs> can you can you imagine doing that just like playing with your pod and just drawing two cards just being like yeah i'll just draw these two yeah <laughs> oh yeah. man that makes me stay think salty of... and don't forget to look at your friend's hands <laughs> while they're playing. <laughs> that makes me think of a friend that i had in college that did cheat all the time in Ugh. magic so quick little story time before we hit our first post here and i'm just gonna call him out my friend jeff Jeff, you you know who you are if you're listening to this. And we would play magic with Jeff. And Jeff would always just look at the top card of his library. Like he would just be like, I'm just going to scry a little bit here. And we'd be like, you can't do that. And he would be like, well, it doesn't give me any information. It doesn't matter. I'm just planning my next turn out. Like that is not how it works. And every game without fail, he would just look at the top card of his library. It was the Jeff scry. 
Yeah. Mm. I mean, sometimes you need that, you know, in order to get by. But can you imagine just drawing a second <laughs> card and just like being like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> just gaslight the shit out of your pod. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think since it's been so long, Mike might need a refresher. Sam, can can you tell us what salt is? Oh, yeah, I definitely can. I've completely forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sodium chloride. It has ionic bonds and it is it's got a crystalline structure fucking nerd wasn't prepared for a quiz tony <laughs> i know my chemistry i just i'm just not ready <laughs> <laughs> no salt is uh you know salt is just frustration in the game man i don't have a good example of what salt might be let me think what if one of your friends was you know just scrying arbitrarily every turn <laughs> yeah yeah salt is is when your friend is just scrying all the time and you're like don't fucking do that and he's like i'm just gonna keep doing it <laughs> <laughs> and you're like god damn it uh that is salt nice <laughs> you know we all know what it is at this point except for mike uh because that's the bit was that he forgot it yeah oh, guys, i'm sorry i'm sorry guys this will be impossible to edit no that should say it i liked that i'll just cut it all out i'll just replace it with that bit about shitting in the canoe i'll just double that (laughs) i'll double that so it appears again (laughs) because that joke was so good (laughs) let's get into our first post shall we this one comes to us from the edh subreddit from user alternative u 8664 if you guys see user alternative u Give them an upvote. Spread a little bit of that goodwill. You know, it's so easy. Just a little clicky. A little clicky here, a little clicky there. And the post is titled, What to do when opponents always 3v1 me first? And the post goes, Hi, Commander players. Asking for advice here. My playgroup always kills me first. They just always 3v1 beat me down in the first few turns. They have some good reasons for this. I'm the most experienced player and often perceived as the biggest threat. In the past, I have been the player to beat, for sure. My deck was once relatively powerful in the group, but as their deck building and gameplay skill has increased, and as they've embraced proxies and net deck lists that are the cutting edge of the online meta, I'm confident my deck is relatively bad. I really don't mind playing against more powerful decks. It's on me to sculpt my own experience, and I'm totally happy playing the underdog deck with weaknesses I've designed into it. Sounds healthy. I'm just having difficulty shifting the tradition of killing me first. Often, I'm dead before I've cast any impactful spells because the 3v1 is powerful. Usually, I'm out in 5 to 15 minutes. This is every game for at least the last 10 sessions. I'm a strong advocate that everyone gets to choose how they play. I don't have a problem as such with them killing me first. That is their right. It's just that the experience for me is getting pretty stale now. Is it right for me to try and change their behavior? Or is that manipulative and controlling slash trying to win the game outside of game actions? Hmm. And the deck context is that they are playing five color Go Shintai of life's origin, probably shrine tribal. There's kind of a couple of different ways to approach it, I guess. I'm inclined to say get better at politicking because like, if they're just like bulldozing you every time, like, I don't know, you got to either change up the deck or something. But like the other way is to like just lean into it and like, don't don't pub stomp. We know we don't like that here. Like, don't drop a CDH deck or anything. But you can yeah, like, refer to the last episode where we fucking rant about that. <laughs> you can just build a more powerful deck 
to like kind of deal with that and like know going into it okay i'm gonna get 3v1 so like how can i make my deck that much faster to kind of deal with it if you really want to not like influence how they're playing i think you just gotta increase your own power level is would be what i would do anyway or try to do i I don't know i think saying something is totally reasonable Mm -hmm. it could be that people just don't really realize it at this point and then the other thing that I always like suggesting is like try playing each other's decks too. Mm, Cause then you'll learn too, if they're targeting you because of the deck or if it's because of the pilot, which is if it's your important existence. distinction. <laughs> yeah. Is it just you? <laughs> this guy knows how to play the game. We got to kill him. I mean, this is an interesting post cause we, we do hear about this issue a lot or, you know, maybe we, we haven't read too many posts about it yet about this arch enemy situation, but this is something that we talk about in our pod a lot and we just know exists out there in the magic world uh, in EDH. You know, one thing that I would also offer up here is keeping records of your games is a very powerful tool for so many reasons. We do this in our pod. We've talked about it a lot. We have this massive spreadsheet that it almost has 300 games recorded in it right now, which is fucking crazy. Uh, Other than like getting a bunch of really cool stats out of it, what that can be is a line of evidence for you to the rest of your group like, hey, I'm actually not winning very often, so I don't know why I'm being focused down. You know, one of like the primary stats that we track is win percentage. And we even track win percentages related to specific decks. I mean, it's very pretty easy to do once you start tracking that. Um, so for us, it'll be like, oh, Nick is going to play his Neheb deck that we've talked about before. We know this deck has like a 60% win rate it is justified when we come down on him pretty hard. But if Nick busts out his like Adrix and Nev deck that just doesn't quite have that win rate, why would we go for him as hard? It's still Nick playing. He's still a really good player, but we don't have to necessarily like take that same effort with it. You know what I mean? Did you just say something nice about Nick on the podcast? Is this a, is this a record? <laughs> I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> this is the first time this is happening. Yeah, we'll we'll cut here. all this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's like a great point, Sam. Like fucking stats don't lie. And I think we totally reference that all the time. Yeah. And like, I know that I personally will reference it because sometimes my decks are the ones that were like, everybody's like, the fuck that deck again? And I'm like, no, it, it has not won or it like loses or like, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be. But it's a solid way to, you know, sort of defend yourself. And there are decks that are just unpleasant to play against, like Rubinia that never wins because we don't let yeah. it win. And that's a whole nother reason. But I think if that was happening, like uh, it sounds like the OP would be pretty aware of that. They do sound like they're very aware of of the decks that they're trying to build, the decks they're bringing to the table, and the experience they're trying to make. Another option could be implementing some game mechanics that could really influence this. I mean, Goad is very powerful. If your opponents are targeting you and pressuring combat on you, I mean, if you're getting knocked out within 5 to 15 minutes, to me, it sounds like people are coming in hard on you with like combat damage, probably. So goat effects could be really powerful because then they just can't come at you. Pillow fort effects can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Pramacon. Pramacon is that Jeskai commander. It's like the legendary wall. You pick a direction and people can oh, only yeah. attack in that direction. So you could drop that and be like, now you guys literally cannot 3v1 me. You must attack each other, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that's only a three-mana commander. That can come down really fast. There's tons of ways to do that. Also, like, you can even just throw the Monarch oh, into yeah. the gameplay. Like, that's going to encourage people to spread around some of their damage. 
And I think the other thing you can do is like build a deck that is a little more deceptive on how mm -hmm. powerful it is. Things that are really powerful on the board are very obvious that they're a threat. And you might just, you know, if you play something that people know has a habit of steamrolling, they're going to see, you know, some of those early pieces come out. They'll see like early Phyrexian altar or whatever it is that you've played. And they're going to notice again and again, like, oh, we have to take this out before it's a problem. But if you're playing something that can kind of hold some of those cards in their hand and then just drop it out in a situation when you can go for the win, that might help dodge some of that hate as well. And I mean, looking at, uh, you know, some of the additional information that the OP provided, again, there there is a pretty big update on this. If you do want to track down the post to read that stuff, you definitely can. Uh, there's a lot of discussion on this post too. It's, it's actually pretty thoughtful discussion in the comments here. But Go Shintai of Life's Origin is a very powerful commander. This sort of shrine tribal commander, it's pretty new on the scene. And from what I've seen in videos of it and other things like that, we don't have anyone in our pod playing it, but it does seem very powerful. Like what Mike is saying, there's some of that like connotation of what the commander is bringing. And a lot of times like memory and perception are very powerful things, more so than real stats. And again, that kind of goes back to what Tony was, was saying about how the stats don't lie. And if people are seeing Goshintai, connecting that with the fact that it's a strong commander and the fact that you used to steamroll them all the time, but maybe you don't anymore, that's going to give them this feeling of like, hey, we have to take care of this, you know? I think the important thing here is sort of this distinguishing factor of like, are they targeting you or are they targeting the deck? And you don't want it to turn into that they're targeting you as as the pilot, as we mentioned earlier, and like yep. making sure that you can keep that separate. Because if you go too long, it's going to turn into it is just you as opposed to like, oh, you're boogeyman commander that you pulled out. And maybe you want to play that up. You want to be like, oh, I'm pulling out Goshen. You guys are very ready to take it out. Like Definitely. And if not, then like pull out some janky and be like, I'm here to get wrecked. Like. Here's my little like vehicles deck. Let's go. <laughs> I want to kind of answer this question that they asked about, you know, is it right for me to try and change this behavior or is that manipulative and controlling trying to get the win outside of game actions? I don't think it is at all. I mean, if you are having an experience that admittedly you're saying it's a stale experience and you're not having fun at the table with your friends, like, that's a conversation. You can even be like, hey, read this post. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like if the experience isn't what you want, talk to your friends. They want you to be there to have fun. And I don't think that's manipulative or controlling at all. It's just good communication. Totally. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll back that right up. I think it's not manipulative at all to express how you're feeling in the games that you're playing with people. You don't have the right to force them to change. Like they might hear you and be like, no. <laughs> I'm just still going to target you with everything. Uh, and then you've got to go with some of those game mechanics yeah. to try and change the flow of the game. Uh, but I, I think, you know, we're big advocates of like, just talk to your friends a little bit. And I think this is totally another one of those cases yet again. Yeah. And I think it's also sort of this game of like the fact that OP here is like asking is like a key sign that it's not manipulative. Most people that are doing it manipulatively wouldn't be asking. They would just be doing it. And be like, I'm just going to like manipulate the shit out of my friends and make this the game that I want it to be, you know? But yeah, if you're worried about that at all with any level of self-awareness, you're probably not doing it. Like, yeah, exactly. yeah. That post would be, I convinced all my friends to never yeah. attack yeah. me. <laughs> my friends are pawns and I have controlled them. Yeah. <laughs> To achieve victory outside of the game.
So uh, what are we thinking about the salt level here? Personally, I mean, I think it's pretty low. I think that your average player in this kind of experience for 10 games in a row would be feeling pretty salty, would be feeling pretty grumpy. I mean, alternative you, they seem to have a very level-headed mindset about it. They're very conscious of the type of deck that they're bringing to the table. And they're also conscious about maybe stepping too far with trying to manage this situation to the point that, you know, it, it might be a little too much. Like, I, I think that they're good to go to have those conversations and talk to their friends. Um, you don't have to be that worried about it. But, you know, they're handling it very well. I would be salty. <laughs> yeah. I think this is, you know, a New England road that's seen a lot of winters. Every every game <laughs> sesh, it's getting a little bit more salt. It's building up. It was easy going, but now things are falling apart. And they just need a road crew to come through, sweep that salt out one time, and then everything will be smooth. Soon. Mike, I missed you so much. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> always, always coming through with like the most clutch metaphors, dude. So good, so good. Uh, for for those of you who aren't in New England, we get a lot of snow. And road salt is like all over. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. For those of you in California listening, just pretend like you've seen snow before. It'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else do you have for us, Sam? Another post is what I have. Ooh. This one comes to us again from the EDH subreddit. You know, we're in our, our hometown over here in the EDH subreddit. We love it over here. This one comes to us from user lockon007. Give him an upvote. I was like, I I'm not hearing it yet. <laughs> but we got there. And this is called Why the Hesitancy for Bluffing and Mind Games. Mm. And the post says, Hey, your friends. Wanted to chat and pick the brains of the folks around here. I've noted a noticeable disdain or lack of usage for bluffing and politicking in my EDH circle, both online and in person. This doesn't seem to track with me. As a multiplayer format, the ability to politic and use your speech to influence outcomes is such an amazing idea to me and probably one of the defining features of the format. So why the resilience for it? It's an advantage that literally costs nothing. It's absolutely free and has no downside whatsoever. The worst they can do is say no, in which case you aren't any worse off than you already were. Some of my favorite speech plays, bluffing a removal when someone swings at you, bluffing a counterspell, informing the table you can remove something on someone's board during another player's turn. This is a favorite of mine. It opens up so many cool lines of play. Highlighting a threat and asking if it prevents X, Y, and Z interaction. Negotiating for a 1v1 if someone is about to eliminate you, i.e. ask for grace in exchange for focusing down a third player on your turn, setting up a 1v1, especially effective if they have a better board. All of these have a, like a 15% success rate, depending on your charisma level. Yo, you know I'm rolling with a oh. plus four charisma, baby. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey. With <laughs> advantage. <laughs> yo. That's for all the D&D nerds out there. Uh, but at no cost. Like if I offered everyone a magic necklace that gave you a 5% chance to legally draw a card every time they spoke a sentence to an opponent, I would be willing to bet the vast majority of people would take that necklace instantly. So what's y'all's take? How do you feel about politics and mind games in EDH? One of my biggest issues with this actually is I completely disagree with the take that these are free actions. I think that politicking uh, has two serious costs that you have to consider. Like, as a player in a pod that you're repeatedly playing with, you've got 
social credit to some extent. You're working with people that like might or might not agree to do something with you in the next game. And so if you're bluffing all the time, if you're like making shady deals, people aren't going to keep going with that. So there is a cost totally. there. And then the other thing is totally information. Like if you tell someone you have a way of removing something on someone else's turn, then that player with a counterspell is not going to tap out on their turn. They're going to say, oh, well, that guy just told me that he can remove something. I'm going to hold my counterspell up. So totally valid stuff. Do it. People should be politicking. People should be considering it. But it's not a straight up 15% improvement on your gameplay. There's also these costs that you have to consider. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, bluffing can be okay sparingly. Like you can use those things sparingly and not really ruin that social credit you have, like you're saying, Mike, especially if a bluff goes unanswered. But if you get caught in a bluff, if you get caught in a couple bluffs and people are like, damn, player so-and-so has bluffed a few times this one game night, they're just not going to believe you anymore. That social credit erodes very quickly. I also think that like the examples they give of these speech plays, as they call it, there's a few different versions, right? Bluffing removal and bluffing counterspell I think those are very soft bluffs because you can basically say, I mean, we do this in our pod. Let's say I'm going to swing at you, Mike, and you're going to be like, you could swing at me, but you're not going to like it. Yeah, you're going to be displeased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even have to say, I have removal in my hand, and that is why you won't like it. You can just say, <laughs> you're not going to like it. That, I think, is the most gentle bluff you can do. The bluffing that doesn't give specificity is kind of the best because no one can catch you in it. If I say, don't swing at me because you're not going to like it, and then you swing at me, you can just start screaming. Yeah, you can just like, start shrieking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I do not yeah. like this. Just start crying like very loudly and, and they won't <laughs> I like I wish it. I had not attacked. I wish I had not. <laughs> but that goes back to that credibility, right? That's the important thing. Like in our pod, when Mike says, like Mike's very good at this, I, I think, because like, I believe him. if he's <laughs> yeah. like, if you do that, you're going to be sorry. Like, I don't think I have ever not not been sorry because <laughs> I usually <laughs> do it anyway in a lot of scenarios. It's not a very effective bluff on you because you call it every time and then we're just both unhappy. <laughs> well, that kind of goes back to frequency with these sort of bluffing techniques, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing it every single game, I'm going to be like, shut up, asshole. I'm coming in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you do it like once a month, like the last time I'm like, ah, let me think back. Like, I think last time this happened, you know, Mike actually had the removal. I mean, that's another thing. Of, another way of doing it is you do have the removal. You bluff a few times, you bluff with air quotes a few times, and you do answer it with removal. Then you can rely on that bluff a little bit more because you've kind of given this pattern of answering those threats and kind of answering the mail on that stuff that lets you fall back on it when you're bluffing. But if you're just always like, I have a counter spell in my hand, I have a counter spell in my hand, I have a counter spell in my hand, I'll just be like, shut up, dude, you're playing mono black and I'm going to swing in. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get hit by that withering boon, Sam. You got to watch out. Oh, dude, love that spell. Withering boon rules. I think also 
like I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade here, but I think it would be an interesting thing to keep your eyes open because people, like we were saying, might be doing some of these more subtle politicking moves. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as someone giving a big old sigh when some piece hits the board. It's like that's communicating to the table oh. like, oh, I don't like that piece being there, you know, and some of these things are like way more subtle than a Hell full on yeah. speech play. So it's like keep an eye out for some of those things and you might find that players are engaging with you outside of just game actions without maybe you picking up on such a good point mike such a good point okay let's say tony casts a spell (laughs) tony's like i'm gonna cast my commander and i say well your commander goes on the stack Uh, oh yeah we do that we literally (laughs) do that so much in casual the power (laughs) in that the power in that is huge i'm literally over here now like shitting myself like fuck come on yeah Yeah. five mana for my freaking prismatic brain and then then countered or some okay it resolves like like just that like that that is not bluffing a counter spell you're not explicitly bluffing a counter spell or removal but you're saying something to make your opponents pause and think that you have something in your hand that is the the subtle bluff is the best kind of bluff man mm-hmm. yeah or even just being like on your instep i uh no i actually i'm good yeah like <laughs> that is I've, super good too <laughs> we do that in so many scenarios and it definitely makes everyone think like oh like what could they have like what yeah. do they have what do i need to be worried about the other one I, I love, but you can't really do over virtual webcam magic very easily. It's just repeatedly like reading someone's card, reaching over and looking at a card uh, and giving it yeah. back and then reaching over and picking it up again, reading oh, it, yeah. putting it back. It's like, it's actually, like, can I see that? What? Oh, what is yeah. that? Yeah. Let me see that piece again. <laughs> I just want to touch on some of these other speech play examples that the OP put here, that Lock on 007 put in here. You know, we really talked about the first two, which were bluffing. I mean, even the third one kind of falls in that bluffing category. I think the other ones are regular politicking, and I think they're very common. Highlighting a threat and asking if it prevents a certain reaction, that's awesome. Like, let's say I look at Nick's board and I'm like, oh, Nick, you have this thing. Oh, Tony, that kind of fucks up your deck, doesn't it? You know, like like just pointing (laughs) out things that are clearly threats for other people, like puts the attention on them. I I think that's a pretty common one and and well-tread ground. And then negotiating for a 1v1, People definitely do that all the time. I feel like that ha- happens constantly where it's like, hey, you and me, let's gang up on this one person. You and I will go to the end, you know? Sam, one thing is that they're really common in our play group, but this player might just not be seeing them very much. And so I, I think that's, that's like the heart of the post, <laughs> you know, is they're saying, uh, I want more of this and I'm not seeing much of it in my play group. And yeah. I think to, to get more of that is you just try and engage other players with it a little bit more. If someone has a really good deal work out for them, they might be more likely to try and make some of those deals in the future too. Sometimes you just need to oversweeten the deal maybe and kind of like inject some of those politics into your games. Because you're right, Mike, we do have a pretty political group. We love to make deals and and things like that. And if you aren't in a group like that, I mean, just start trying to make them. And even if you're making crazy deals that don't really benefit you, you may find that the result is that politics are more prevalent in your games. If you're like, hey, if you remove this thing, I'm not going to swing at you for three turns, which seems crazy. But if you weren't planning to swing at someone for three turns anyways, who cares? And to that person, they're like, holy shit, what a gift. I'm definitely taking that, you know? <laughs> oh, you can do that? You can make that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is we just need to get better at lying to our friends. <laughs> bluffing tony bluffing (laughs) yeah that's the friendly way of putting it (laughs) by the way you look great today 
Thanks. <laughs> he bought it, folks. He bought it. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do we think about the salt rating here? I think this is an interesting mm. one. It doesn't really have like a pure salt rating. It talks about a component of the game that I think some people don't like and some people really embrace, you know? So I'm not really sure if there's like a true salt rating on this one. But my take is that like that subtle bluffing that we were talking about is great. And politicking is a part of the game. I wouldn't say any of this stuff is mind games. You're not like hypnotizing somebody and being like fucking gotcha, you know? You know, you you want it to be friendly. You don't want to erode that social credit that you have. And if you do it that way, you can continue to come back to this resource, which is this sort of speech play, as the OP here puts it, and really use it to your own advantage. For me on this one, I think this is uh, so like at my stove, right? Imagine yourself, you're cooking. I've got a little bowl of salt there. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to grab a pinch to season my vegetables and like, if you go too far, you can't take it back. And like, <laughs> so you just want to make sure you get the right amount well and said. throw it on there and you're good. Yeah. That's where it sits for me. Yeah. I almost think that the true salt here is just like a lack of, of flavor in their pod that they're missing. Mm. Like they're missing people playing this aspect of the game and you just got to bring it yourself. You got to make the pod what you want it to be. A bland political situation. It's like a UN meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Take that out. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not cutting that out. We're going to get some hate mail. People be like, the UN is great institution. They do very important work. I'm sure they do. But how does the UN feel about the ban list? Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Riddle me this. (laughs) So, uh, you want to give us some more? Wow, what a clean segue. Let's do another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have another one right here. So this post comes to us from Monday Morning. R.I.P. Mm. R.I.P. We miss you, Monday Morning. And the post says, player in our group who can't attach a curiosity to a Niv-Mizzet has started net decking. Which is fundamentally fine. Nothing wrong with working with other people's brews. Problem is, he's suddenly playing decks a cut above the table's power, playing efficient infect, crazy low to the ground light pause, and then a mass theft deck with bonkers recursion. And I did get a clarification from the OP here that the theft deck was a sliver overlord deck with changeling tribal that had Zerda as the companion which sounds spicy as fuck, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) And he's super, super salty that he's getting focused down by the table despite presenting existential threats. Thing is, he'll never, ever admit he's net decking. And again, net decking isn't fundamentally wrong, but it does mean that he doesn't know how the deck works, at least in the nuts and bolts, and how he can tune it to play appropriately at the table. The sheer quantity of sodium radiating from this player is making me want to skip game nights. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I love that description though. <laughs> I feel like we all can think of a person that has been at, at that level at some point, you know? Dude, so good. And let me find, I did chat with this person a little bit more. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. We. So that first comment 
Um, just they, they say, just to clarify, the player in question's first commander deck was a Niv-Mizzet curiosity deck, but he never managed to cast Niv-Mizzet because people hated him out of the game for fear of the curiosity combo. <laughs> and that's why that reference is there. So basically uh-huh. that... That sort of heavy focus, which Nibmissic Curiosity is a wicked strong deck when it's super tuned up. And that basically kind of appropriately scared the pod. They kind of pushed this person down a bit. And then they came back with these powerful net deck brews. I, I feel like this comes back to a thing that we talk about a lot where like there's a there's a place for CDH and there's a place for everything else. And like it sounds like to me. He's like moving in that direction. Yeah. And like everybody else just isn't there yet. And that's okay. But like you got to be careful with like how you go about it. Like, you know, just going and picking up a random deck that's strong that you found is also bad. Cause then you like <laughs> don't know how to fucking play it. I still don't. Like, hey, I found a gun on the ground, guys. <laughs> I play Solvala CDH all the time and I still don't know how to fucking do it. I like pull up the prime every five minutes. Yeah. You <laughs> kick her asses all the time, jerk. Like, what are yeah, you talking but, no, about? No, no, no. I have the primer up so that I can like. I don't know that this is that that case, honestly. I've I've never seen the uh the classic sliver overlord Zerta CDH deck, but maybe I'm just <laughs> running true. in the wrong circles. <laughs> you're you're correct, Mike. That does not exist. Are you are you sure? I think that's uh I think it's a really powerful one, actually. <laughs> now I think the problem here is really in the third paragraph, right? Um, which you guys aren't reading it, so you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's it's in like the last third of the post where the OP is talking about how, one, this player will never admit to net decking, which is fine. Like, who cares about net decking? But the problem is that he doesn't know how the deck works in the nuts and bolts of it, kind of paraphrasing and quoting here. So he can't tune it appropriately for the table. That's really the problem. Like, net decking is fine, but if you net deck some super, super spicy brew and your table needs you to tune it down and you don't know how to do that, like that kind of speaks to a bigger problem, I think, about like understanding the game and understanding the kind of deck that you're bringing to the table and what your group wants, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it also speaks to like players enjoy different parts of the game. Uh, this is like my main defense of net decking every single time is players enjoy different parts of the game. And if a player doesn't enjoy deck building, but they enjoy playing, they shouldn't be restricted from playing the game just because they don't like that one particular aspect. Yeah. It would be super annoying for one of your friends to like lie and be like, no, this is, I totally made this. Uh, but, you know, that shouldn't forbid them from from playing. Oh, but... I got a post about that for a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, maybe, maybe suggest some net decks that are uh, a little more lower in power or start, you got to start building up to those levels too. Those are kind of the only good moves forward that I see, honestly. Yeah, if, if this person is kind of obstinate in their stance, that they're not going to back down off these net decks, they're not going to tune their decks down, then you know, if you want to continue to play with them and have a good time, you do need to like come up to that level. A- another option would be to have a better division of power levels in your group. We've talked about this before, but if you basically say like, hey, I love this high power play that we're doing, can we all make some like pre-con level decks? Or just buy some pre-cons and bust them out and play them. You know, like there's a different option there to sculpt your meta and kind of let this person do their net decking, let them have their high power play, but also build a space up for the power level that you want to play at 
and kind of find a balance between the two. Yeah, I think another thing here that's kind of interesting is sort of this desire for him to tune it down. Uh, the main reason I think it's interesting is because I don't think I've ever actually tuned down a deck. For me, normally what happens is if if we have a deck that's like too much, if I do something that's like too much, which I do frequently sometimes. Refer to all of our previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like won't play it is more of where I go. Um, yeah. And so... Or reserve it for like a higher power play. Exactly, right? exactly. Back to like what you're talking about of like making sure you're like splitting it out so you use it a- appropriately. Because I, I think it's harder, especially if somebody doesn't know how to, they didn't even make the deck, like they're they're never yeah. going to be able to to tune it down. But I think in general, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people don't tend to tune down decks. Uh, like I'll talk about it, but then I'm like, nah, that's like a lot of work. I already made it, so I'm just going to make something else. <laughs> I think a really classic way of tuning down decks is to uh, swap the commander out to find mm. someone that fills a similar role, but is just like a little less efficient. But Mike, how can you do that when you only build linchpin commanders like me? It <laughs> <laughs> makes yeah. it much more difficult to do that. <laughs> it's a little tough. Tuning down is either very easy or it's very hard, depending on your deck. Because if the most powerful thing about your deck is consistency and you're running a bunch of tutors and fetch lands and things like that, tuning it down is easy cut out the tutors, replace your mana base with like a slower mana base, and you can tune your deck down by like a couple turns, kind of judging by how quickly you can get to your win con, right? But if your if your deck is something like, for example, Tony's Willow Dusk deck, where the power doesn't really rely in tutors or the mana base, the power relies in like a very powerful niche synergy that the commander is able to achieve with like life gain and life loss abilities. Like Tony, to tune it down, he would be cutting out like 12 cent commons that generally suck, but happen to be really good in this one deck because you can like pay a shit ton of life and do some weird stuff. So it it becomes a harder problem of like, how do you really tune it down? Looking at some of these examples, in fact, it's very like to tune that down, you might just not want to play it. A light pause deck, like a very efficient aggro aura deck that one becomes a little bit harder to tune down because now you're looking at individual synergies of the aura selection that you have compared to your commander and how those work. So you're swapping out like good auras with worse auras. It, it just becomes more of a more effort to really tune it down versus just a very quick, hey, I'm going to make the mana base worse. I'm going to take the tutors out. So how do you guys, here, I'm, I'm taking your job, Tony. How do you guys feel about the salt oh, rating no. in this post? <laughs> hmm. I think that for me, I would be salty if someone did this in our pod. I've almost done it sort of by accident a little bit, like mostly in like a CDH realm where like I didn't quite know how the deck worked when I started playing it. And like, I know I caused some frustrations. It's not so much so about the neck decking as much as it is like do your homework, know how to play it. Mm. And again, know yeah. that it's appropriate for your pod and like the the games that you're going to be playing. Yeah, I think that the salt is 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 kind of two way here. Like it feels like the net decking player is pretty upset. Obviously, that they're getting focused, and then the other players are upset that that, that player is being kind of shady about it and weird. Yeah. So pretty pretty high salt, honestly. Even though the description of it is pretty calm. Yeah, I agree that it is also high salt. I mean, it's not fun. Just straight up, it's not fun to play in a pod with power level mismatch. That is one of the main reasons this podcast even exists. That is one of the main complaints in EDH as an entire format. 
Like think of how many things exist, how many different like ways of grading power levels and stuff like that exist in EDH to circumvent this exact problem. So when you're going to a player in your group and you're saying, hey, your deck is too strong, can you tune it down? And they, they aren't really doing it, they're not willing to do it or whatever the reason is, to me, that is very frustrating. I'd be super salty in this situation as well. Because it's hard. Like, like we, we have this problem, like Tony said. Tony's brought very powerful decks to the table before. And the important thing is that you have the conversation afterwards and say like, hey, that might not be the right fit for this power level. And you can even say, love the deck, love the idea. This is super cool, but that game wasn't very good. Can you hold off on that or at least announce it when you're going to bring it to the table so we can plan accordingly? I mean, I, I think there's, there's a lot of different things you can do. We've had other posts like this where if somebody isn't willing to make that change when their friends are coming to them, like that kind of speaks to a bigger issue. But, you know, I hope that this person can figure it out. As always with these, these playgroup struggles, I really hope that they can just talk through it, figure it out, you know, maybe come up with some of the, the different solutions we've offered and, and just get back to having some nice balanced games. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do this and we certainly do it after like every game, but it really does help to just like post-game chat. Yeah. Like, How'd this is cool. <laughs> My deck popped out off over here. Yours popped off there. Like, this is the fun stuff. This is what was like not fun. It just makes a big difference. I feel like especially if I had like a bad game, didn't really do that much. And like Sam's like, yo, dude, that turn when you like, you know, fucking we're starting to pop off and do things. I'm like, you know, what? hell yeah, that did happen. Like, I, I feel good it. about this game now. Like, <laughs> It helps a lot, like more than you'd think. And it, it and it helps to bring up those kinds of conversations in like a non-accusatory manner. Yeah, I, I mean, not to spin up into another bigger topic, just kind of touch on it lightly here and maybe talk about it more in a future episode. But there's also a way of giving feedback to other players in your pod that is constructive versus accusatory. Like if I was going to Mike and I was like, dude, your decks are too strong. Make them weaker so we can have more fun. Mike might be like, fuck off. Nah. <laughs> you know? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Get good, kid. Yeah, my, exactly. <laughs> Mike might just be like, hey, sucks to suck. Sorry, you're losing. Loser. <laughs> but if I was like, hey, I feel like our deck power levels are a bit of a mismatch. Can we take a look at your list and maybe tune yours down a little bit and take a look at my list and tune it up a little bit? Then one, you're making it more of like a deck building activity with your friends. And you're also like asking for feedback and making yourself a little bit vulnerable too, which helps other people kind of feel that way. Nah, he's still going to be like, get good. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, guys, that was great. Well, you know what else is great? Is it that time? It happens every week. It happens oh, it's every that time. week. You know it is that here. time we all wait for. It is the time where we ask, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? The salty card. The salty card. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that? Someone just ran in my room and sang that and then ran yeah. out. <laughs> so we're skipping around a little bit. This week's salty card of the week is back to basics. Ooh, Tony and I just had two totally separate reactions. <laughs> I had a big smile on my face. I was like, "Yeah," and Tony just shook his head, dejected. 
just sadness. Yeah, because this card fucking sucks. It Another rules. Fucking blue card for fuck's sake. Card fucking rules. Yeah, it is two and a blue for an enchantment, and the text is non-basic lands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. Mm. Could call this one Blue Moon also if you wanted to. Ooh, but, it should yeah. be called that. So I didn't say it yet this uh, episode, so it's important. Blue is a trash color for trash players. <laughs> Fuck blue. I hate this effect so much, but the reason I hate it so much is because I only see it in CDH, where every single one of my motherfucking lands is a non-basic. And so it's like, doesn't fucking matter. Like, I just have no fucking mana now. So it's like, I'll just go fuck off in the corner while everybody else is doing stuff. And I never play blue, so I can't do anything. Like, it lands, and I'm like, all right, fuck myself. Like, it's there. And then like, oh, maybe maybe in the moment I could float like one green and nature's claim it and then have the blue player fucking counterspell my shit. So yes, I feel lots of salt when this fucking card comes down. It's so salty. You can tell how much salt Tony has because it is directly correlated to his F word frequency. Yeah. And, and how much his words like mush together into just a, a stream of sound. <laughs> oh wow. my god dude okay tell us how you really feel <laughs> you obviously feel completely the same right sam uh <laughs> i i love back to basics man i love playing <laughs> this card and maybe that's because i'm why tony hates this card I was gonna say, he's the one playing <laughs> when we first got into cdh i played a chain veil to fury deck so mono blue and I ran a bunch of stacks pieces and I ran back to basics. And then after that, I rocked a Yuriko CDH deck for a really long time. Two colors, it uses a lot of basic lands. So, hey, you could run back to basics in that deck. And I sure did. And uh, man, dropping a back to basics on someone playing like a three or four color deck. Oh God, just the just to see the light leave their eyes. It feels so good. <laughs> my god but again though for me it's like it's really just in i don't think i've ever seen it come down in casual in our pod but like or maybe once or twice actually but like my casual decks it's changing a little bit but most of my land bases are just fucking basic lands so like yeah in casual i'm like hell yeah like throw down that back to basics i'm ready for it but yeah i think that's why you don't see it just because it's not it's not as powerful I like swear Nick ran it in something. No, Nick had a different non-basic land hate card. It was a uh, rights of ruin. Oh, is that the one where you like take damage when you tap? I thought that was price of progress. It was price of progress. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, I remember because my Alesha deck has a ton of non-basic lands because it's yeah. super spicy and only I died and no one else died. And I was like, <laughs> why did you play that, Nick? And he was like, oh, I didn't know that it was just going to knock you out. And I was like, you didn't know? You didn't see? How did you not know? Oh, man. I'm still salty about that. See, Nick, I, I complimented you earlier, and, and here it comes again. He's going to love hearing this. He always loves it. He loves it when we talk about him. How do you yeah. feel, Mike? Back on target here. How do you feel I, about uh... this? I love this card and I love this card because every time I look at it, I get the the beautiful image of 
some angry, sweaty dude in an LGS that dropped three grand on a land base. And they're sitting there <laughs> and some kid, you know, some 13 year old kid is all excited about his blue deck and he drops it back to basics. And the sweaty dude is like, no, my duels. <laughs> I honestly think a lot of the salt on this card comes from a monetary thing. It is. Yeah. This is the anti-tank weapon of magic the gathering it is so efficient at ruining the money people spent that i love it <laughs> yeah if ever there is a card that really hosed people who have dumped a ton of money in their decks it's back to basics yeah yeah it's a whale killer it's basically a harpoon it's great <laughs> and aptly named too it's like hey remember when you used to play decks that only had basic lands uh, i bet you wish you did that right now yeah let's get back to basics yeah so I like this one, and I also play Emery and CDH, so I think I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to enjoy it. I will say, on the other side of things, facing this card, you know, it is rough. It's a rough go of it. But at the same time, I don't know if I've said this before, but if you're willing to play a stacks piece, you must be willing to play against it. So oh, yeah, it sucks when you get hosed by it, but I, it doesn't give me a, a super high level of salt or anything. Thanks for the tasting, Mike. Mmm, yummy. Happy to <laughs> oblige. Yeah, glad to have you back, Mike. Tony fucked it all up while you were gone. That is not true. <laughs> no, you're great, Tony. I'll be sure to not listen to any of those episodes so that I don't have to live through it. <laughs> you already listened to one. <laughs> <laughs> Fans don't know that. <laughs> They do now, now that I've edited this segment to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's it for our salty card of the week. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. Um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in every week and, and really appreciate all the support that we've been getting for this. You know, we're, uh, we're just stoked to see all the people who love salty moments, love conversations about table politics, table dynamics, all that kind of stuff, just as much as we do. If you guys want to follow us, we have an Instagram that's very active. It is the Howling Salt Mine on Instagram. And then also find us on Reddit at the Howling Salt Mine. We try to post once a week whenever our new episodes launch on Thursdays. And, uh, you know, other than that, we're just kind of in the mix commenting on things, stuff like that. Um, we do also have a Twitter that is going to be active now. That it's going to be back. so active. It's going to be liking posts. It's going to be retweeting things, following people. I think that is just howling salt mine. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we couldn't get the the. So yeah, follow us on those. And we love to interact with our fans. If you guys want to like DM us or or send us a salty story. Not only do we have an, a Gmail, which is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Feel free to DM us on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. We check all that stuff super regularly. Love to chat with our fans. Uh, really appreciate every little bit of, of feedback and encouragement we get. Is there anything else I usually say? We're going to Magic 30. Oh, yeah. We are going to Magic 30. We are going to Vegas. Mike is confirmed now because he Vegas, is back. Baby. Past the point where we were just like, Mike's going to come, we think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be the four of us, us three here, and Nick is coming as well. If you guys see four guys walking around wearing some Howling Salt Mine swag, 
that we will hopefully hey. have. Um, <laughs> then, you know, hit us up. We would love to play some pickup games with people. You know, we're playing at a few events and things like that. But other than that, we're really just going to be kind of walking around, taking it all in, playing some commander games in the non-commander zone because we couldn't get in. <laughs> yeah. Because those tickets sold out we so fast. We didn't make it past the paywall. Yeah, we'll be we'll be outside the fence, um, you know, <laughs> we'll looking all at the other scrubs. Josh Lee Kwai inside. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, we would love to like meet up with some fans and and play some games with you guys. Um, we will have a little bit of swag to hand out if everything goes according to plan. So hit us up for that. We would love to give that out to you guys. Do you guys have anything else to plug? Mike, are you back streaming again? Uh, I haven't yet this week, um, back home and back on the job search grind, but next week I'm hoping to start streaming again. So by the time this episode airs, that will have happened for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, streaming two to five, going to be doing some limited now that Dominaria is out and I'm excited about it. Hell yeah. Uh, and we'll put that, we'll put that Twitch in our, we should put that in our link tree, man. We'll put that, that link in our link tree. So you guys have it. Tony, do you got anything? Nope. Just got my power back because my power was off. For Did like you? A fucking oh, week. yeah. You are in your house. I can yeah. tell. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that's insane. 260,000 people in Michigan didn't have power for a fucking week. Crazy. Yeah. It's some bullshit. <laughs> there was like fucking rain. Not to hate on DTE too hard, but like, I don't know why the fuck my power was out for Dude, that long. If people in New England didn't have power for a week, we would be riding in the streets. <laughs> Like, there's no way, there's no way that would ever hold. Yeah, these Midwesterners are too nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, did you feel like you were uh, back to basics without any I power? fucking Ooh, did. Nice. That is definitely how fucking nice. salty I was, too. I was just like, what the fuck is, like, where are we? Like, why do we not have power? Man, this is going to be, this is going to be a story just for the people that listen to the end of the podcast, just for the 30% out there. Um, (laughs) When I was in college and I was playing Magic the Gathering all the time, me and my roommates were, you know, living like Ninja Turtles. We were living like trash people and we just didn't pay our electric bill one time. (laughs) So we had a roommate that was moving out and the electric bill was under his name. So we were like, hey, let's just not transfer it and see how long we can go before the power gets turned off. (laughs) And uh, hey, the power did get turned off and we didn't have power for like three days. Um, And we played Magic the Gathering by candlelight. And that is like, that is like how (laughs) we spent those three days. And it was amazing. It was very awesome. I love that. That's the moral. We didn't go to pay the bill we just said how long can we now go by candlelight if we just (laughs) and it worked baby moral of the story do do that (laughs) don't moral of the story don't pay your bills and draw two cards at the beginning of your turn (laughs) yeah it's so much easier to cheat by candlelight (laughs) i would just blow out the candle and draw like a fresh seven and be like oh what happened a gust of wind Uh, well, thanks, everybody. Thanks again for sticking to the very bitter end here. If you are one of the 30%, yo, comment on one of our things and be like, hey, I am one of the 30%. And we'll be like, Hell we know yeah. this inside joke and other people don't. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Hopefully we see some of you at Magic 30. And as always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Song Line. The Howling Song Line.
Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't want to play anymore. We would. <laughs> we would love. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Get ready for more of that. <laughs> Certainly when I'm drunk in Vegas.